Welcome. You are listening to Intentional Conversations from Nika White Consulting, an encore presentation of our weekly podcast where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. Let the conversation begin. Zanika Chapman is a certified personal and executive coach helping women rediscover their inner strength and confidence in the aftermath of workplace-related trauma. Her own journey into coaching and positive psychology began after being left emotionally broken by a pair of workplace bullies at the height of her marketing career. She went on a path to redefine her own self-worth and what it means to be successful at work. And now as a coach, she has helped dozens of other women do the same. She helps leaders develop their own unique leadership style and create work environments that are safe and equitable. She is also the creator of an eight-week work detox program called Surviving Corporate that helps women establish a healthy relationship with work and puts them back into the driver's seat of their careers. So I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to spotlight Zanika, and I am going to ask her to introduce herself in her own way. Welcome, Zanika. Welcome, welcome. Good morning. I am, I do want to say hello. I am in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I saw some other Charlotteans. That's what we (laughs) call ourselves on the call. So I'm going to start with a big shout out to everyone, but I'm going to go a little bit more for my Charlotteans that are on the call today. That is amazing. I love the city of Charlotte. I have uh, had the opportunity to visit, um, not to stay too long, but work trips and things, and it is lovely. What is your favorite thing about being a Charlottean? You know, it's 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 interesting. My favorite thing about being a Charlottean um, is that none of us are really Charlotteans, and so when you come across someone who says that they were born and raised in Charlotte, you're always like, oh! Because everybody in Charlotte that you, I didn't say everybody, but most of the people that you come across in Charlotte have, are really transplanted from someplace else. So I think that really speaks to just the homeliness of the city and how the city can kind of just suck you in, that all of these people come from these other places and they're just drawn to stay in this beautiful city of ours. I love that. We in Columbus, Ohio kind of have that in common as well. I mean, I I am born and raised here in Columbus, Ohio, but um, I'm a rarity. I'm a little bit of a unicorn. Most people are transplanted from other, other cities. And uh, yeah, so Columbus and Charlotte, uh, we must have that in common. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I see in the chat DC as well. I see some other people mentioning uh, some things about, you know, their, their cities where, where they reside. Um, Cool. I will have to, I will have to visit Charlotte again, again soon. Uh, you'll have to give me some recommendations around what Absolutely. you love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me know. I will. I will. Well, I am excited to chat with you today. Um, you know, your, your story and, and why you're here and, and kind of what gets you out of bed every morning uh, resonates with me so powerfully. I have, I have experienced workplace bullying. I have witnessed workplace bullying. And, uh, and I, I love that you have taken your experience and you have created something out of it to, to help other people. And so based on, based on your bio, you know, you say that you experienced trauma through workplace bullying and and if you would share with us what what happened and how how did that catch you off guard 
Yeah. So I, how it caught me off guard, I felt like I was at a, at a place where I had done everything right. So I'll take you guys back a little bit. I was kind of at that, you know, you know, you cross that like five to seven mark of your career where you want a little bit more. Maybe you want to do something different. You want to try a different industry. And I did all the things that I was supposed to do. I went on LinkedIn. I found the companies that I wanted to work at. I was networking with people inside of them. And I landed the dream job. Like I remember being so excited and I remember walking through the door and really having this moment of this is what you've been working for. All the years in college, all the years kind of in the trenches of building this career, this is the moment. And when I got there, it was everything that I thought it was going to be. It was a great team of people. The work was really, really challenging, but in that way that kind of you 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 can't wait to get out of bed in the morning because it's so challenging it's so unique you're surrounded by an incredible team of people and one day one day Cosette it just all came crashing down and it was it took me so off guard because I thought I was having an incredible experience like yeah. I thought I was killing it if anybody in the chat like let us know in the chat if you've ever had that experience where you're like I am killing it yeah. Yeah, And I, I went in to have a conversation with my leadership on this particular day of the week. And out of nowhere, I was told verbatim, hey, you're the worst person on my team. I've never encountered an employee that is as terrible as you. And there was no buildup. There were no other conversations that led to this. And so I was completely blindsided. But of course, you know, being the rock star, being like, no, this is the dream job. I was like, I am not going to take that piece of advice laying down. So I remember the, the only thing that I could muster in that moment was, then tell me what I need to do, right? It was almost like I was begging this leadership, yeah. tell me what I need to do yeah. yeah, so that I can be better because I didn't want to, I mean, who wants to be the worst person on the team? Like nobody right. wants that. Yeah. And I went home that week. And I said, you know what, if these are the things that these people, this leadership, this great team, this incredible company are telling me that I need to do to improve myself, mm -hmm. well, you better bet I'm, I'm going to do it. And I, I went home and I developed my own personal improvement plan or PIP. So mm -hmm. I think most of the people on this, on the call will be familiar with the PIP because mm -hmm. that was one of the things that I was threatened with. And I, rem I remember, and I, and, and that PIP included all kinds of things, resources that I was going to use within the company, using my own financial resources to take classes, to take courses, to get better. And I would love to tell you guys that I went in there and the manager was so impressed, which is what I thought was going to happen with this improvement plan that I was going to put myself on, but they were not impressed. And there was no collaboration on this improvement plan. The only thing I got was, ugh. ugh. Like, I can't believe you wasted time on this. I can't believe you wasted time on trying to improve yourself so that you could be a better part of the team. And that just then kind of led to this ongoing level of harassment where I just was never good enough. Um, my work was being constantly scrutinized. My very high profile projects were kind of replaced overnight with administrative work. There was no collaboration. There was no, how is the manager supporting me? It was just a wall you know a brick wall wall after wall after wall after wall of no and really you know psychological harassment um yeah. I would go into meetings or I would no longer be invited to meetings and you know if you can imagine yeah being on a team and your whole team gets up to go into a conference room to go to a meeting that you have no idea is being held 
And then they come out of the meeting and say, I can't believe you missed the meeting. Wow. Right. So those were the kinds of things that that were happening to me. And there was also, you know, there were visible instances where there was yelling and screaming and finger pointing and all of that being directed towards me. And so I didn't know why. I didn't know what this was. I even went to HR and, and HR said to me, you know, I think that you're overreacting. And I really think that the manager is using this as a learning opportunity for you. And um, I remember thinking you know, I've always been a very big personal development nerd. I had been reading leadership books since my senior year in college at this point. And I remember saying to my HR representative at the time, you know, I know that I might be young and I know that I might not have a leadership role at this company, but I've read a ton of leadership books and gone to a ton of leadership trainings. And I don't ever remember reading one that said the way that you make an employee better is to make them feel like crap. Right, right. Um, And so, you know, I... I became very depressed. I was severely depressed. Um, I gained about 20 pounds during that time. I was overworking. So I was coming in early and staying late. So I was putting in 10, 12 hour days just to try to improve myself. Mm -hmm. And I just realized that my situation was not going to get any better. And it wasn't until I got out of the situation. And I think what was so interesting and what led me on this path was I had no idea that other people were experiencing that. And one of the things that every mentor and every person kind of led me to believe was, well, this is just the way it is. You know, if you are going to be a woman and and be a Black woman in this world, in this corporate environment, then this is just the way that it is. And I thought, my goodness, how can I shoulder another 30 years of this? Like, if this is what it is, yeah gosh, I'm really in trouble. And it really wasn't until I kind of got out of that and and was really still very broken. And, you know, people think that, oh, just get another job, just get another job. And I don't think that people realize getting another job is the easy part, right? (laughs) Getting back to the very confident, the rock star that you were when you've been constantly told on a daily basis that you're not, That's That's the difficult part. And so it wasn't until I did get another job, but I started that other job. And on day one, I was, I remember getting up and going to the bathroom crying Mm -hmm. because I was so terrified that these people were going to find out they made the wrong choice. Right. And so that was when I really started to get into what happened to me. Right. Like, and not just from, um, how they were treating me, but what had happened to me that I really discovered, I was shocked to learn that workplace bullying was like really a thing. And I remember like thinking, man, I feel like I'm getting bullied, like in a joking, not real kind of way. And when I literally, I Googled it and all of these, these instances, these searches popped up and I learned, wait a minute, yeah, that was a real thing. It's a real thing that's happening in workplaces and nobody's talking about it. Yeah, that is, that is so fascinating. There's, there's so much richness in, in what you just said. And thank you so much for sharing that with us and, and the vulnerability that, that comes with that, you know, prior to us, us going live, you know, we were talking and, and you, you mentioned something about, um, this, this being a scab, can, can you 
talk a little bit about that and how you've kind of come back from that experience. You know, you, you talked about how it impacted your health, how it impacted your, your confidence. Um, tell, tell us a, a bit more about that, that scab that you were talking about. Yeah. So I, I equate my healing from that situation, just as like, if you cut yourself, right, you cut yourself, what happens, it bleeds, you put a bandage on it, it, it kind of will still be a little bit open, it's healing. And if somebody walks by and like punches you in your arm, you, you still feel it, it still hurts. And I went through just a period of that. But now I feel like I'm at a place and, and probably the only reason why I can share this story is because my scab, it, my, my wound is scabbed over. It's pretty much healed. It doesn't hurt anymore when I talk about it. I can hear other people's stories um, and empathize with them, but I, it doesn't hurt me in the way that it used to when it first happened. Yeah. And one of the things that that I had to learn how to do was to rebuild my confidence. Mm -hmm. And so I had to get back to, to who I was before the trauma, before I encountered these bullies. And I went through a process. And one of the things that I like to help my clients with is really kind of creating this mental deck. I call it your brag book of okay. really who you are. Yeah. And what was so unique about my situation, and we, we love our assessments, right? In the corporate world and HR world, we love, a good, we love a good assessment. And I, when I was on that team, I, we went through the strength finder assessment, which I love strength finder now. But there was a time when on that team, those strengths were used against me. Weaponized. Yeah. Exactly. And so I was told kind of, they would put them up on a board and say, mm. see, look at everyone else. And I really was guys, like if you could see that organization, I was the complete outlier and I thought it was hilarious, but they would put that up and they would say, see, this is why you don't belong here. Look at how different you are. And what do you do with that? When right. the assessment says, gosh, these are the things that I'm good at right. and they're being used against you. And so I remember I threw that, front, I took that assessment, I threw it in the bottom of the drawer and I never looked at it again. And I was like, if I ever meet Clifton, I'm going to tell him what to do with his strength finder. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, when I got in the new job and I was trying to, you know, dealing with the, the intense imposter syndrome there, yeah, it was the only thing I could go back to mm. when I really thought about, gosh, you know, who am I when it comes to work? Who am I? Yeah. Clifton was the only benchmark that I had. And so I had to go into that little box all the way at the bottom of the box. And I pulled that strength finder out and being out of that environment. I was able to say, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm, I really am good at communicating. I'm, I'm a full connector. And there's a way for me to use these things to at least start to work from this place and start to put myself back together again. So what I had to do was I had to find a way to find real hard facts to disprove the lies right. from the bullying and from the trauma and tra from the toxic environment. And so that was where I started with what right. is really true? What do I know to be yes. true about myself? Mm -hmm. And I started to work from a place of what I know to be true. That I, I am so proud of your past self and knowing that that was something you needed to do, recognizing that you needed to 
kind of hack some of the lies that had been put out into the ether around you, your capabilities, your skills, your identity, all of the things that made you say, wow, when you first walked into the door of that organization around it being your dream job and, and being so excited about it. Um, and I, and I am grateful that you, you saw the opportunity to use the facts and to leverage those facts and to say, no, no, this, this is what is true about me. I'm going to replace these lies with these facts. I, um, I am curious though, as you were going through this process, um, did you experience any help from any people? Do you have any allies? Were there, were there people who, or even one person who said, no, Zanika, I see you. This is not you. I'm here for you. I'm standing with you. Yeah, there, there was one person. Okay. Now there were a lot of people who I think were very non-active, you know, bystanders or they were just witnesses, but there was one person and, and I really credit her with being the person that kind of helped snap me out of, this is not normal. Like this is not something that everybody <laughs> is experiencing at work. And it was actually a colleague of mine. And um, I had gotten to the point, Cosette, where I, I could not send emails anymore That because that was a constant. If I sent an email, why did you send this email? Who are you to send this email to so-and-so? You can't request things from these types of people. Mm. And I remember I was, I was sitting there and it, it, it had been at the point where I, it would take me several, several minutes to craft an email. And when I say craft an email, I want to level set that these are simple, like, hey, Cosette, just following up on the thing I sent you last week type emails because yeah. my work was being scrutinized so heavily at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was sending them to my, my ally, my friend, my colleague at the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had sent her an email or I think I turned to her and said, Hey, um, do you have some time to review this email for me? Yeah. And yeah. I remember she got very quiet and she looked me dead in the face, took a deep breath. And she said, no, I'm not reviewing any more emails for you. Now I understand that what they are doing to you is not right. But I'm not going to sit around and watch what you are doing to you any longer. Wow. So you read that email, you push send, and then we're going to go have lunch and we'll come back. Wow. And that is the power of having bystanders because until then, I had also believed the lie that this is just how it is. This is just what I've got to accept. I've just got to deal with this and figure out a way to deal with it and not, you know, not go and do something to myself because that also was, was something that I was considering because of how I was being treated at work. And her saying that to me, it just snapped me back to a place of, yeah, this is not normal. You don't have to accept this. This is not happening to everyone here. And now that we know that, you know, you're not crazy because I think that that was another thing that I think society tells women, it tells people of color when we have complaints about what's happening to us in the workplace, it it has a way of kind of gaslighting you. And and it really was evidence for me that, oh, I'm not making this up. 
Yeah. This really is happening to me. I really am being mistreated yes. because that was something that I didn't want to acknowledge. I didn't want to acknowledge as a young woman working in corporate America that I was being mistreated. Yeah. Yeah. I, my, my, my stomach is clenching right now because of the experiences that um, I've had with workplace bullying, with the experiences that you know some of my my friends and colleagues have had uh, in the workplace around around bullying, you know the the chat is so active right now, Zanika. I don't know if you're paying attention to it, but people are sharing their stories around workplace bullying that they have experienced and and saying, you know, I, I feel this, you know, this is something that I've been through. I um. I am curious, you know, you said that you took to Google and you looked up workplace bullying and, and it was a comfort of sorts for you to see, okay, I'm not alone and people aren't really talking about this in the kind of raw, authentic, truthful, honest, candid way that, you know, I'm not seeing my experience, mm -hmm. you know, through these resources. And so tell, tell me a bit more about what you, what you learned and, and what took you to the place from learning to, well, since no one else is talking about this in the way that I would like to see it talked about, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk about it. How'd you get there? Yeah, so once I kind of learned that, wow, this is, it's a thing. It's something that 30% of American workers have said that they've either witnessed or experienced themselves. I really was like, what? I was a little bit angry. I was a little bit angry that we were not having this conversation. I had never seen, again, big nerd, professional development nerd, leadership junkie, all of that stuff. I had never been to a workshop that talked about workplace bullying at all. Um, and so really kind of, I, I think what got me to the place of, all right, I'll, I'll pick up this mantle a little bit was in 2020. Um, and we, we all know what happened in 2020 here in the States with George Floyd. And there was this huge, I felt like movement that I had not ever seen in, mm -hmm. any, in any of corporate America before around diversity, equity, inclusion. There was so much conversation. There was so, there, there was so much, um, I don't want to call it excitement, but energy yeah. in, in, at least in the corporate environments that I was in that, you know, corporations were really at least trying <laughs> and we, we can argue about how much they were or weren't trying, but I felt like, wow, there's an energy here that I had never experienced before. And there was a lot of talk on social media. Um, and I was in a lot of these chats from other women of color who most of them have left the corporate environment or they were saying, this is why I left the corporate world. And their stories mirrored mine. I mean, just like so many people in the chat here are saying, wow, this happened to me too. And I remember thinking, but we're not talking about it. How is it that all of us who are not connected, we don't know each other, right. are having, you know, across all different industries across the country, seem to be having these very similar experiences, mm -hmm. but it's not being addressed in any of the career development or DEI initiatives that are being birthed right now. And if we don't talk about it, then we run the risk of you're going to have this undercurrent 
of bullying disguised as something else. And I just really felt like we don't need to put a nice, cute corporate name on it. We need to call it what it is. We need to call it workplace bullying. And we need to start calling it out and be real about the experiences that we're having in these environments. I, I love that. And I, and, um, you know, the, the fact that you took your experience and you're helping, you're helping others. Um, and as a coach, you know, you, you have to be empathetic. You know, I'm a coach as well. You have to put yourself into another person's shoes so that you can help them uh, so you can reflect things back to them. And so you can help them kind of see that potential. And so Zanika, if we were in a coaching session right now, and I'm your coaching client, and I was talking to you about my workplace bullying experience, what, what would you say to me? How would you coach me to, to navigate this, this bullying experience? Yeah, so I think where where I always like to start, Cosette, is allowing people the opportunity to acknowledge what happened to them. And one of the things that I think was very difficult for me to say, and some days it's still very difficult for me to say, um, is I was bullied at work. Yeah. And when you really think about that, I was embarrassed because when we think of bullying, I mean, if you Google bullying, you're going to get a bunch of images of small children on a playground. And we all think that at this stage of our lives, we are way beyond bullying, right? Like we are grown people with bills and kids and partners and all that. And nobody is going to bully me. That's right. (laughs) And then we go into these environments where we kind of relinquish our power. We start to turn over a little bit of our identity and we get bullied and then we're embarrassed to say that. And so I think it starts with acknowledging what happened to you and whether or not you want to say it was bully, but even acknowledging it was very hard for me to say I was discriminated against. Right. Yeah. Treated at work, but really allowing the space for people to acknowledge what happened to them. Mm -hmm. Acknowledge the feelings around that. Right. I was bullied at work and I'm embarrassed about it. Wow. That that is such a simple statement. I was bullied at work. Those few words, that short sentence is so small and so big mm-hmm. all at the same time. And, and Zanika, as you're talking, you know, I'm, I am being kind of transported back to my own workplace bullying experience and all of the things that you said, the shame, the embarrassment, the the gaslighting of self. Did this, did this really happen? Am I crazy? Am I making this up? This, this can't possibly be what I think it is. I am a grown woman, right? And, and, and then, you know, replaying events in your mind and, you know, playing them over and over and over again, like an Instagram reel, like, wait a minute. No, that, that really did happen. And then the Googling, no, that that's not okay. It's not okay. This should not have happened. And, and seeking that validation, you know, you you talked about your ally in the, in the workplace, you know, trying to leverage someone else as a, as a sounding board, you know, did, did you see that? Did, did you hear that? Did, Mm -hmm. did that come to your ears the way that it came to mine? Um, 
Oh, it's, it's a lot. If, so Zanika, you know, you, I think one of the things that you take into work every day is this mission to help other people not only acknowledge their workplace bullying experiences, but to come back from it after acknowledging it in a confident way and to rebuild. And I am curious, you know, you, you coach individuals, what about at an organizational level? What should organizations do? What should HR do to prevent workplace bullying? Yeah, and I, I like to say um, that organizations, it's, it's time to get like real. And so, and I have like a whole acronym around real, but really the word itself came to me just from a place of, I, I think that we, we are now past the surface level, right? We've done the statements. We might've hired the consultants. We've done a few trainings now, but now we've got to get in here and do the real work of creating the types of environments and the types of culture that we want to create. And so let's start by reviewing our data. And you may not have data on workplace bullying because like I said, most, most organizations don't even know that that's a thing. But most companies have a ton of other stuff that they're looking at. They've got employee surveys, they've got exit interview data, they've got a ton of stuff. Or if you don't have any, now it's time to implement some. We've got to start getting real. We've got to start talking to our employees. We've got to see what, what our data is actually telling us about the type of culture that we have inside of our organizations. And then you've got to just educate yourself. We've mm -hmm. got to commit to now really taking the time to educate ourselves on workplace bullying, because now you know, if you're on this call, you know that yeah, it's it. No. So let's start to dig a little bit deeper. What is it? How does it show up? How is it manifesting? And the other thing too, now that when you start to learn what are the signs of it, go back to that data, go back to those employee complaints and look yeah. for these instances of harassment or being excluded from work or being the butt of jokes. Mm -hmm. And where is that happening? And, and not to say that those groups, those managers may not be bad people, but it's an opportunity now perhaps for coaching, mm -hmm. perhaps for some development, and what are we missing now? Do we need policies around this now that we have it? Mm -hmm. And ask the really tough questions. Do yeah. the deep, deep work. Stop with the surface level stuff and get real. Acknowledge what your employees are saying to you, right? Not looking at it from a place of we've got our cultural mission statement, but really that's aspirational. What's really happening today? And then really start to listen to people and, and to actively listening. If you're a coach on this call, you know what it means to actively listening. Now we've got to train our leadership on how to do that. It means that we're not being quiet so that we can speak next. We're really seeking to understand. We're prioritizing those voices that are different from ours. Women, people of color, people who are differently abled. We're putting them at the forefront of these initiatives, right? We're not just hiring somebody and sticking them over there and saying, you figure it out, but we're going to give them the tools that they need to support this. We're going to use language that is supportive when we're having a conversation with people. So when I kind of, when people ask me like, what do organizations need to do? I'm like, they need to get real. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There, there is so much pretense. There is, um, in, in corporate spaces, there is so much um, just, uh, I don't know, 
propaganda around, you know, we're this, we're this, we're this. We're, we're real, we're authentic. We want you to bring your authentic self to work. We want you to talk about your experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly. We, we wanna support you, we wanna partner with you uh, to be successful here. But if we're not being real about what's happening and if we are sweeping things under the rug, if we are gaslighting others, if we are um, all the things that you talked about, then those, those two things, they, they cannot possibly coexist. They can't possibly coexist when we are taking people's power away. And I am curious about power. You talked about that a little bit earlier and how you rebuilt your confidence and how you stepped back into your power to reclaim the self that you were. And I'm seeing in the chat as well, people talking about what they've done to do that. And I know that you really enjoy working with women, especially how as a coach and as a person who has experienced workplace bullying, how do you use this experience to help other women reclaim their power after a workplace bullying uh, environment or experience? Yeah, so I think one thing that I do personally is is share my story because I when I encounter people who, you know, the wound is still open, it is impossible for them to imagine that they can send that email without asking someone to check it. It's impossible for them to think that one day somebody will say that person's name and it will not even, it will not even affect you. Right. And so that's kind of just one thing that I try to embody is sharing my story for the woman who is in it right now and doesn't really understand what's happening to her and doesn't see life on the other side. But I think the other thing that I, I do, you know, after, after I have my clients really acknowledge their situation and acknowledge what happens to them, and part of being a good coach is getting them on the trajectory to move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so one of the things that we immediately have to start doing is we have to start dropping those lies because it doesn't matter what the trauma is, whether it's a bully or whether it's something else, whether it's different, there's yeah. a little piece of you Mm -hmm. Then starting to believe some lie that that toxic environment or that bully has put on you. So we have to identify what is it for you? And it's usually some version of like, I'm not good enough, but there's something very specific to each person. Mm -hmm. So we start to identify what is it? And when it comes to what I learned about my power was it wasn't just the specific things, the work-related things. Yeah, It was bigger than that. It was the identity things. It was... I needed that place to validate who I was. I took a lot of pride in that place and being in that job and being on that team that when it was taken away from me, so much of who I was was wrapped up into that. Yeah, And that's what made, at least for me, the situation so much more devastating. But I have found that, you know, we make work so much of who we are and so a lot of the work that I've started to do now is also helping women and so when I say reclaim your power to reclaim who you are Mm -hmm. because we know jobs are fickle they can go just like that right right you as much as you might love your company as much as you might be loyal to them honey they are not loyal to you so Mm -hmm. who are you 
yeah. with or without that title. That's right. That's right. Then we start to put those pieces back together. And then when you can see, you know, I'm playing really good parties. I'm a great entertainer. And Uh that is something that I had to get back to as I was kind of recreating and putting myself back together. It Mm -hmm. wasn't just about what Clifton said I was good at and relating that to work. Yeah. It was about who am I and what am I really good at and what are the things that nourish me inside and outside Mm -hmm. of work? Mm -hmm. I do not think that we talk about identity enough. We don't talk about identity formation And when during our socialization, our identity really starts to crystallize and and when we kind of become the adults that we are, and we we don't talk enough about the events that can shake identity Mm -hmm. and the ways that we we either uh, recreate or rebuild identity after a traumatic event like workplace bullying or a life change we we don't talk about that enough and so i'm 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 grateful that that we're talking about this today i um in just a moment, we are going to open it up to the audience. There's been so much movement and activity in the chat. People want to talk to you. I cannot hog you any longer, Zanika, but I, I did want to share one stat because according to the 2021 WBI U.S. Workplace Bullying Survey uh, that was conducted in January 2021, uh, the prevalence of, of bullying, and, and 30% of people have direct experience, being bullied. Um, it's up 57% from 2017. 57%. That is a big number. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I think part of it is just what we've been going through the last few years. And, and I think they also have some, some good stats around how much of that is now um, remote workers who say that they feel like they experience bullying. I think you know, I think the lack of kind of having that that physical workspace, I think, has sent some managers into a different place of how to manage and how they will manage people. Um, and I also think it it's kind of also not having, we no longer really have those containers, right, for how we help leadership along. When we were in this not hybrid, not remote experience. There was a lot more, I think, training. There were a lot more opportunities for that. It was a lot more face-to-face. And I think in, in the wake of the pandemic and so many other competing priorities, I think this, I think that the, the education of leadership and, and really support for leaders and support for teammates and employees really just disappeared. And I think that's where we, we got to see some of this negative behavior just come up. That is, that is so sad to hear you say that. It, it, it's not a surprise to me. It's not brand new information. But to hear you say that that support from leaders for team members, that it's just not there. For me, that, that empathy is a non-negotiable leadership competency. And I don't think that we focus on that enough. I don't think that when we are training our managers internally, that we talk about that being a non-negotiable leadership 
competency. We talk about technical skills. We talk about selling. We talk about being a good consultant. We talk about a host of things. And we don't talk about ways to be there for your team members. We don't talk about ways to be an ally. We don't talk about ways to recognize hurting and pain. We, we, don't, we don't talk about that enough. Um, and we should. We need to talk about this more. We need you, Zanika. We need you. Um, all right. I, can, I, can't, I can't hog you anymore. If there's a question in the chat. Uh, if someone has been experiencing workplace bullying, when is it appropriate to reach out to HR? So a couple of things on HR. Um, again, knowing that not all HR departments really have a way of dealing with this, I would just kind of, I do just want to level set with that, right? That not all HR people know how to deal with this, know how to deal with workplace bullying. Um, and so I would say in my experience, I reached out to HR when I felt like I had enough of the paper trail to at least make my case. Um, the other thing that I realized very early on was that HR was not necessarily going to save me from my situation. And so me reaching out to HR was more of a, I just want to get a counter narrative to what might already be being presented to me. So I always tell people honestly and, and truly, if you feel like you are in a situation where you're experiencing workplace bullying, you need to start preparing your exit strategy today because there is a chance that that experience is not going to improve for you. Yeah. Yeah, that is um that is so powerful and 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 once again I'm I'm transported back to my own workplace bullying um experience and and like I said, you know, so many people in the chat have experienced workplace bullying and and I remember in my experience it was my leader, it was my CEO um who was the bully. Mm-hmm. He was the bully. He was the one gaslighting me. Um, he was the one, you know, earlier in the chat, the, the article from pet to threat. Mm-hmm. Um, so powerful. Um, that was my experience. And um, what, what do we do when it's your leader who's the bully? How, what, what recommendations and suggestions can you give to our community around tangible things to do? Obviously, preparing your exit strategy. Yes. What are some other steps that you would recommend? Yeah. So I think when it's your leader, and I've been in that environment too, where it's your leader, is to maybe look for other structures. So yes, the CEO is kind of the head, and it depends on the size of, of your agency. Um, I've been in much smaller agencies where there was a board. And there was some relationship there. And so there was an opportunity for employees to share some information with with the board. And they were very clear that this behavior is bullying behavior. And so the board was able to kind of intercede on that person's behalf. Um, I do think that when you are in a situation where really it's kind of just you and the CEO, 
I think that you have to get to a place where one, prepare your exit strategy. That's always, I mean, that's always going to be my first yeah. piece of advice, yeah. but now you are in a place where you kind of have to mentally and emotionally fortify yourself while you're preparing that exit strategy. And so what that looks like for you is some of the other things that we talked about. Keep building your brag book, build community, start to document as much as you can, because there's still, even if he's a CEO, there's still an HR structure there. So that just, to me, provides you a little bit more cover while you're building that exit strategy. And those are the things that will kind of fortify your spirit. Because the other thing that I want to be very clear about is that a lot of times in a workplace bullying situation, mm-hmm. you have to validate the, the the situation for yourself. I think that we're always kind of looking for somebody to rescue us. And right now we're just not at a place in society where we have the tools and the procedures and the policies that support us. And mm-hmm. so one of the big pieces of my work is helping my clients validate the experience without resolution from the company. Yeah. Because you may not ever get that. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is so powerful. You know, in, in my experience, there was no HR, mm-hmm. right. It was, you know, a CEO and he was kind of the, you know, he made decisions emotionally and, um, and, and, and there, there was no board, there was no other body of, of people to, to go to. And, um, it's it's interesting, you know, um, one of the questions I'm seeing in the chat is, you know, are there things that people can look for before you enter an organization that flags this? And and in hindsight, because hindsight is 2020, we know this, I I am thinking, you know, maybe it should have been a little bit of a red flag for me that there was no HR. There was there was no um, process for giving feedback. There there was nothing to support. Uh, you know, if if something went wrong, if if I needed to say, hey, I have this leader and I'm experiencing this, there was nothing like that in place. That should have been for me uh, a red flag. And so, what are some of the things that people can maybe look for before? entering an organization that may flag uh, something, you know, prior to it happening? Yeah. Well, I'm laughing because I always get this question and people always answer their questions. If you noticed, you just did that. So all of the things that you just said, those are all questions now that go in your bank, right? Because people always want to know, how do I prevent this from happening to me again? And I want to just say this, that it's all a leap of faith, right? When we go into a new job and a new organization, there are always going to be elements that we don't know until we get there. Yeah. But once you have been through this situation, you know the questions for you. You now know what are your deal breakers. You know them now. So you include those on your list of things to ask. And if a company either they say, no, we don't have that. It's only the CEO. And probably in your case, people who are interviewing in that organization, they're interviewing with the CEO. Mm-hmm. Ask them, you yeah. know, this is a this is a really tiny organization. I'm, I'm so happy to be talking directly to you, Mr. or Ms. CEO. But I've got to ask you, What's your feedback mechanism working yeah. with your employees? And they're going to say, oh, I have a great feedback mechanism, right? Yeah. And then yeah. you say, awesome. Can I set up some time to talk with your C- your COO and your CFO and just, you know, at, you don't have to tell them what you're going to ask them, but ask them. Yeah. 
What's the CEO's mechanism for feedback? Do mm-hmm. you guys have a policy on workplace bullying? And the other thing that we, we don't do enough to is read everything that people are saying to you and everything that they're not. Because yeah. people are going to tell, if you ask that question and you're talking to a group of people that are being bullied, they're mm-hmm. probably going to, yeah. Or they're going to do something or they're going to all look at each other in this way that's like, who's going to tackle that? And so we have to start kind of interview one, interviewing companies, but two, using all of our, all of our skills, reading Mm -hmm. all of the body language, reading everything that people are or aren't telling you. Um, And also I tell all my clients, continue to be prepared. Yeah. Because you may get into that situation. And now that you, you've got the skills and your, your spidey senses go up. Yeah. Now, you know. Yes. Yes. And that, so that always be thinking sense. about, you know, now that I know what my boundaries are, I'm keenly yes. aware of them because I'm never going back into that situation again. That's and right. I'm always prepared for if I have to protect myself in a way that maybe society doesn't like, you know, I've been in environments where I've been this close or I've accepted a job offer and I go in there and there's something based on my experience that says, Mm-mm. yeah, and I say, you know what? I'm going to politely have to walk away from this. Yeah. 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 That, that is so powerful. And I, I love how you mentioned boundaries and, you know, Dr. White put this in, in the chat, you know, one of the number one words for 2023 is boundaries. I personally believe that boundaries are beautiful and the, this is, one of the keys to preventing ourselves from being in a bullying situation. And, you know, as Nika said, you know, holding tight to your boundaries. And first, you must know what your boundaries are. You have to know yeah. what they are. <laughs> you must know what it looks like, feels like, sounds like, whatever, when they're crossed. And that spidey sense that you talked about, trusting ourselves, that that clenching of your gut, that tightness of your chest, that buzzing in your ears, whatever that is. For, for me, I it, it sounds like a distant drumbeat mm-hmm. in my ear that only I can hear. And it's like, uh-oh, there's, there's something, there's something here. And I have learned to trust that about myself. I used to have that doubt, but I have learned to trust myself. And, and, and so I am, I'm, I'm also thinking through the, um, the process that I went through to kind of rebuild my confidence and get myself to a place where I could trust myself again, where I felt confident again in myself and my abilities and my skills and, and one of the things that I did, I mean, I'm a coach and I hired a coach. Yes. I hired a coach because I couldn't, Zanika, the fog yes. was so thick. I, I, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was good at. My identity was shaken. Yeah. It was awful. And I said, I, I cannot navigate this myself. I cannot. I don't, I don't have an ally in this work space. And I, I, I need, I need an outside resource. I need an outside resource. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm seeing in the, in the chat, people saying, yes, psychotherapists need therapists, coaches need coaches. Absolutely. Um, 
And Nika said, you know, and be aware of our emotional capital while navigating these situations. It is not, it is not worth our own peace and mental health. I will say that again. It is not worth your mental health. And, and we must uh, have awareness around what we can and can on, cannot take on ourselves. Because as Dr. White said, it can literally kill us. Yeah. I, I, I am aware of the time. We have three minutes left. This has been such a rich conversation. I feel like I can talk to you all day about this and just pick your brain around tangible strategies for, you know, prevention before the fact, and, and then things to do, you know, during and things to do after. And, you know, I, I want to give you the opportunity to, uh, you know, share uh, any more strategies that that you may have, but also to share with the audience, you know, ways that they can connect with you if if they have questions about this, um, you know, after after we're finished with our our vodcast. Yeah, so I, I do want to just hit on um, the boundaries, one of the biggest yeah. words for the year, yes. and we talked a lot about kind of wanting our organizations to be real, but we can't we personally can't change bullies. Bullies are going to bully. They're going to do what they're going to do. And the only thing that we can really kind of work towards, and, and one of the things that I help my clients with, is you really do have to start to rebuild and put yourself together. But if we are going to hold our organizations to be real, we also have to be real with ourselves. So back to the question of how do we kind of pre prevent this? Once you know what those boundaries are, based off whatever your experience is, you're going into other organizations you're going to have to be real with them too, right? Mm -hmm. About, listen, I don't really check my email around certain times. Is that going to be a problem for you? Or yeah. whatever those boundaries are. Or you know what? I, I often say now when I'm in an interview situation, hey, I, I was a victim of workplace bullying. Do you all have a policy that addresses this? Wow. Or do you all have, um, what's the process for if I yeah. start to experience this, who do I need to bring bring to the table? What's the process for addressing this? Mm -hmm. When you ask that question, what's the response? Have you ever gotten, you know, a, a cringy look or a weird response? Oh, I always kind of get a deer in headlights or, <laughs> or the, you know, the, we don't have that here. Yeah. And I just say, well, you know, the, the last time I experienced it, they didn't think they had it there either. So is that going to be a, a situation for you? And if it's not, if it's not, kind of prompting a conversation or dialogue around it, mm -hmm. then I know, right? Like yeah. when I met with kind of a response that's flippant or rolling eyes, I just right. know like, this is not the place for me. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm seeing in the chat, you know, uh, Dr. White just said, you know, Minda Hartz also says we are deserving of all spaces, but not are deserving of us. And, and we have to have that self-confidence and self-awareness. And we have to say, no, I'm, I will not tolerate this. This yes. will not work for me. Yes, we, you have to be clear about that. And you also have to, um, you also have to give people the benefit of the doubt a little bit. I, I notice this with my clients is when they're coming out of it, everybody's wrong, right? We're mad at the coworkers who didn't stand up for us. We're mad at HR, we're mad at the manager. Yeah. And I always have to remind people, which I think is the benefit of having a coach is this is a brand new person. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You are not having the same experience with these people. Right. So let's right. just give him or her the benefit of the doubt that yeah. this is a new working relationship and they just don't know you yet. 
Yes. So this is an opportunity for you mm -hmm. to communicate that boundary. It's an opportunity for you to potentially experience the type of work environment that you ultimately want to have. Yes. Yes. I, I love that. We, we often ask our guest co-hosts to kind of end on an inspirational note. And, and that was it. You, you did it without me even having to ask. Um, we are at time and this has been such an amazing conversation. I, I, I know that everyone in the community feels the, the richness and thank you, Zanika, for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing your experience. Thank you for being so authentic and enlightening us with your, with your wisdom. We are, we are so grateful. We are so grateful. Thank, thank you guys so much for having me and yeah. letting and letting me start the year off. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yes. It's exciting. All right. Well, thank you so much to our community. Thank you for joining. Thank you for engaging and for being here. And we will see you next week with our new guest co-host. Thank you again to Zanika Chapman. Happy Friday. We'll see you soon.